Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to episode eight of the Steakhouse Sports Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Paul. And this week, we hit the quarter pole of the NFL season, and we expect to know everything there is to know about what's going to happen, and of course, we know nothing at all. We'll talk about where we think each team stands after four weeks and what we expect to see by the midway point, and of course, we'll cover our weekly winners and our overall leaders later in the show. So, what's up, PC? Thanks, Chris. Well, I'm sort of licking my wounds from a rougher-than-average week of predicting this week. It wasn't terrible, but there were certainly some hiccups in there that I didn't see coming at all, Uh, probably like some of our other crowd members, I'm assuming, based on the results. But besides that, I'm really looking forward to the Seahawks hosting the Rams on Thursday Night Football this week to kick off Week 5. Yeah, it's weird that you had a rougher-than-average week. I just picked the teams that I wanted to lose to win and the teams that i wanted to win to lose and i did just fine so i'm feeling super yeah great you know uh, it was just the exact opposite of what i wanted to happen to happen so (laughs) so uh, your emotional hedging was in full effect exactly and i did just fine but i do agree that thursday night thursday night game should really tell us a lot about the nfc west uh, and how it'll shape up and i'm excited for it great great well before we jump into the rest of the show if you haven't already please make sure to head on over to SteakhouseSports.com. That is spelled Steakhouse like the meat or like the bet. (laughs) And click on the link of your preferred app store to download the app and see what it's all about. And of course, as always, to learn all about Steakhouse Sports and what we're doing, check out episodes one through three of the podcast from this season for an in-depth overview. But with all that out of the way, let's get into the results from uh, week four, starting with our barrel wagers. All right, so for those uh, who are just joining us, uh, the barrel wagers are the predictions in which we're so confident in the result that we'd wager everything we own, uh, including the clothes off our de- our back, and which means that if we lost, we would be wearing nothing but a barrel on Monday morning. So uh, with that said, we'd like to talk about something else that is barrel-related. Yes, uh, made in barrels, related to barrels, whiskey. <laughs> Uh, This week, we're going back to the well for an old standby, Four Roses Kentucky Straight Bourbon, which is anything but small batch or local, but nevertheless, a solid daily driver of a whiskey (laughs) and one of my favorite go-tos. So cheers, Chris. Cheers, Paul. Well, before I cheers, I got to actually pour a refill. I have to filibuster here for a minute. So Paul is carefully pouring his- Full disclosure, we do drink some of the whiskey before we start recording. Right. All right, so now Paul's got his whiskey glass, so cheers, Paul. Cheers, Chris. All right, to an excellent podcast. Let's do it. An excellent and maybe not uh, quite as so long podcast. My gosh. <laughs> oh, you spilled. <laughs> you did I was, Paul filled this my glass up like, he gave me like eight ounces of whiskey. That, so, that would explain why the bottle's half empty already. <laughs> the bottle's like half done now. <laughs> we'll have to post uh, a picture of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> New rule, no pouring whiskey during the podcast. All I right, couldn't well, I can't see inside that stainless steel cup yeah, of yours. Um, you know, keeps uh, keeps the glass cold or the ice cold. So anyway. Uh all right, well let's go quickly because that alcohol is gonna kick in fast. So anyway, um starting off, I had uh the Bucks covering the nine point spread versus the Rams. That was my barrel wager. Uh just oh, real quick, I am can you can follow all of our Barrel wagers at on Twitter. Uh, Paul is at at P Cullen and I am at Ghost Motion. Um, so my basic thinking was that I wasn't sure that the Bucks would win, but I thought that the Rams had 
been kind of living on the edge, and I thought the Bucks might get off to a fast start, which is exactly what happened. I did not expect the Rams to lose the game, even when it was like 21 to zero. I think it was 21 to zero. I, I still thought the Rams had a chance to come back, and they, I mean, they scored 40 points. And the funny thing about this, sorry, real quick, is this is one of the, this is sort of the epitome of what the barrel wager is about is the next, on Monday morning, if I told you before the game started that the Rams would score 40 points, you would, and I said, you can have the Bucks. or excuse me, I'll give you the Rams and 14 and a half points. You would take that bet every day of the week because there's no way you would have expected the Bucks to score 55. It just it was so out of the ordinary. Right. And so that's like the original barrel wager was just like, it's so crazy that it happened. But of course that's what exactly would happen. So I did not expect that, but I did expect the Rams to at least keep, have the, a close win at, at best uh, and to lose at worst. And uh, of course that's what happened. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was, that was a great prediction by you. I, Thank you. Finally, I, I'm off the schneid. I actually didn't see that coming. I haven't been paying super close attention to uh, the Bucks this season, uh, besides the fact that I know uh, the 49ers already beat them mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, I think that was the week one opener, yep. right? Yeah. So uh, that win by the 49ers is actually looking a little better now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. after week Maybe. four. Maybe. We'll see. Um, we'll be talking about Tampa Bay here in a little bit yep. as well. Uh, my barrel wager was kind of out of the blue. I had a really hard time picking a true barrel wager this week uh, just because the matchups were, were super weird. Uh, but I sort of went against my prior week's barrel wager pick and uh, chose the Panthers to cover the four and a half point spread in Houston versus the Texans. And uh, as we know now uh, that paid off with mm-hmm. a win. So the Panthers not only covered the four and a half point spread, but won the game 16 to 10 as road underdogs so it wasn't, as I said, what was not quite of a, as bold of a pick as last week when I called the Texans to win on the road as underdogs over the Chargers, and they did that. Uh, this was more, much more of just a gut, a gut feel uh, pick for me, and certainly there were maybe some other games on the, on the docket this week that might have been better candidates for, for true barrel wagers, but... Uh, I just, I, I just for some weird reason had a gut feeling that um, four and a half point spread was just too much hmm. uh, between these two teams that I saw as being pretty evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they they've been a little bit inconsistent both of these teams throughout the year. Yep. Uh, I think the Panthers um, because they're playing with a backup quarterback to Cam Newton while he's out injured, uh, maybe a little bit underrated. Uh, in sort of popular opinion, the mind of uh, the crowd, so to speak. And so that all played into, into my sort of gut feeling about this game. Uh, as I said, um, didn't expect them to win the game necessarily, but I, I definitely thought it was going to be a close game right to the end. So all this, th- despite the fact Kyle Allen tried to fumble the game away, <laughs> he lost three fumbles on sacks in this game. Uh, but then when it came down to it, it was actually Deshaun Watson who had the most costly lost fumble late in the fourth quarter at the Houston 36 that enabled the Panthers to basically ice the game by controlling the ball and the clock, kicking a field goal to go up 16 to 10 with only 31 seconds to go. Yep. Well, it was a great pick. 
um, and obviously you're, you extended your lead. Uh, Paul is at currently at three and one on his barrel wagers. I am at one and three. As I said, I'm very excited to be off the schneid. It's a long season, but you know, when you're only making one pick a week, you know, it's, uh, it's, you're, it's a slow road, uh, to try to overcome, you know, a two point, uh, two, two, uh, prediction deficit. It is, so. Yeah. I feel like your pick was a lot better than mine though. So maybe for what it's worth, you know. get like a bonus point for no, that. No, no, no. There's no bonus <laughs> points. Come on. No lollipops in this hey, game. And if anyone else out there wants, if you want to make your own barrel wager, please do that. Yeah, for sure. Hit up at house of stakes on Twitter and, uh, Give us a hashtag barrel wager and give us your pick. Yep. Good call out, Paul. Nice thinking. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to the highlights and lowlights. We'll start with the lowlights first for our crowd. So our crowd ate two bagels this week. Uh, both of them basically the underdog won outright. So it was the Bucks at, at Rams. Uh, the crowd was predicting, uh, I think, a lower scoring affair in that game. And uh, they, of course, they predicted the Rams to win and cover the spread. So they missed all three of those. Uh, and then in the Saints and, uh, excuse me, the Cowboys at the Saints uh, was the opposite. They were expecting a higher scoring affair. Uh, certainly the Cowboys offense had shown quite a lot of um, firepower. So that doesn't surprise me. But then, of course, they expected the Cowboys to win and cover. It was a relatively small spread. Uh, so the Saints winning outright um, knocked the crowd off all three of those um, predictions for that week. So those are the two bagels for the week. Right. Well, on the positive side, the crowd nailed three trifectas. So the trifecta is when the crowd gets all three predictions right. They get the winner, the spread correct, and the total. Uh, we had three three of those games land for the crowd. The Jags at the Broncos, Seahawks at Cardinals, and Bengals at Steelers. Um, an interesting note about the Seahawks-Cardinals matchup this was our first crowd bullseye of the season. So the crowd uh, accurately predicted the Seahawks to score 27 points <laughs> in this game. And uh, if, you, if you've listened to the podcast before, you're, you're aware that in order to generate the crowd scores, we take just a simple average of everyone's prediction, score prediction for each team. So for it to land on a whole number like that is is actually pretty rare. Mm -hmm. It's even far more rare for it to land on a whole number and be the exact right <laughs> number. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, the crowd prediction for both teams in this game, both the Seahawks and the Cardinals, landed on a whole number. The crowd uh, literally predicted the score to be exactly 27 to 20. Uh, that, as that I is, said, that, that is crazy. It <laughs> rarely happens for any individual team prediction, but... Uh, it happened for both teams in this game. Yeah, and we had 17 predictions, so that is that's pretty that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so out of 17 predictions, the average score. Yeah, uh, I, I guess everyone pretty predicted the score to be 27 yeah, 20. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose if everybody predicts 27 20, then that's how that works out. Yeah, um, I, I would be surprised if that's the case. But wow, that's, for what that's it's worth, strange. I predicted 30 to 16. So anyway, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, so those are the. Uh, those are the highlights and lowlights for the crowd this week. So let's get into the crowd results. So overall, the crowd score was 45 points, which is down seven from last week. Uh, but with one fewer game, uh, the, the prediction score uh, will be a slightly less than uh, the average, usually on a 16-point week. Right, um, yeah. Week so, four was the first bye week of the season. Right. So there were two teams on bye this week, meaning only 15 games instead of 16. Yeah. Yeah, one interesting thing about the – is is the breakdown of the 
uh, different categories. So we'll go into those in, right now. Uh, so the crowd went seven of 15 straight up. So that was tie. Uh, so that brings our overall record to 37 and 26 uh, for a 59.7% accuracy, which is uh, tied for eighth or so, but there's like a bunch of people in eighth place. So uh, uh, over an NFL pick watch. So I'm not sure, uh, you know, that's anything we're going to write at home about just yet, but we expect the crowd to, um, continue to improve the interesting thing about the winners just straight up winners is that in the early games i think only one home team won and i think overall only like three or four home teams won so that is very unusual that's pretty unusual unusual. yeah so for sure uh, the crowd was uh obviously not on that trend this week although seven to 15 i mean hey that's you know just better than 50 percent. so yeah right just below well against the spread this was this was the lone sort of big blemish on the crowd uh this week crowd only got four of 15 against the spread uh overall we're still tied for fifth uh over at nfl pick watch again we're tracking our crowd uh spread and over under predictions using the nfl pick watch site uh, which compares our scores or sorry our predictions against all the other experts out there and um and their user base as well. So yeah. uh, for us to have a, a down week like this against the spread, but to still be tied for fifth place overall, uh, it's a pretty good testament to to our crowd and what we're doing here. So we're still excited about that. And there's variability from week to week. We saw right. that last year. Um, we saw that in week four last year, coincidentally. So we'll talk yep. about that in a little bit. Um, but uh, that brings our overall record against the spread to 30, 32, and one. There's been one push so far on the spread. That's 48% accuracy. We definitely expect that will, uh, increase over time. Yep. Uh, last year, the crowd also had, um, well, the crowd had five out of 15 games correct in week four. So nearly the same record. Perhaps crowd wisdom just isn't as strong in week four. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was an interesting coincidence. The crowd performed quite well in weeks five and six. I think five, week six was its highest score. So, you know, we'll see if the crowd corrects as I mean, we do expect them to, to correct that. We've had two years of data of, uh, of the crowd continuing to perform. Uh, I just it was an interesting parallel to last year so overall in september uh the crowd is better than it was last year by i think a couple of picks against the spread so it's certainly um so we'll take that as a positive i guess for for sure right now um so moving on to the last category the crowd was 11 of 15 against the total uh so i I, just one thing i noticed like i was feeling really kind of dejected about the crowd's performance against the spread but i thought but then I thought, wow, 11 of 15 against the total. That is pretty amazing. Like that would be, if it was against the spread, I would be like shocked and think what a great week that the crowd had. So I definitely like index on the spread first. And I totally kind of, you know, miss, uh, or I just missed on the, the fact that the crowd had a really great week against the total. So that yeah. is something. And that wasn't just all unders or anything like that. So Right. Well, and of uh, course, uh, other sites like NFL Pick Watch don't, don't track the over under. So, um, we don't really have a measuring stick to, to go against, but right. the overall crowd record is pretty strong, um, yep. over under so far this season. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Sign. I mean, we're at, um, 34, 28 and one, uh, for a 54.8% accuracy against, uh, the total. So that's uh, pretty great. Uh, and this week in particular, the crowd picked overs the, the total to go over and they were four and two in those games. And the 
they on the unders the crowd was seven and two. So pretty remarkable actually that yeah. you know in both categories they were on each one. So right, um, yeah, that just means the crowd predicted uh, the score to go over six times, and four out of those six times they got it right. Right. Uh, conversely, crowd predicted the under uh, nine times and got seven of those right. Yep. Uh, crowd has really been predicting a lot of under so far this year. Yeah. Including every single game of week one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so just to, to wrap up, we had 17 total predictors. So uh, it's a pretty decent number. But, uh, you know, we've mentioned this a few times. You know, we'd love to get that number up to 20 or 30. Uh, in fact, one game in particular, the Redskins and Giants, I think a late move uh, moved the Redskins to, uh, excuse me, the crowd prediction to, have the Redskins cover. Uh, and, um, so, you know, when you get up to 30 predictors, you know, one or two, isn't going to move the number all that much. So, uh, but if you have 17, you know, you, if you get to 20, you can see the number shift from the underdog to the favorite or vice versa. So, uh, yeah. So please tell your friends, you know, tell them that they suck and that you think that you're a better predictor than they are. And, you know, really try to, you know, <laughs> get their competitive juices flowing. But in any case, maybe, um, maybe put some cash on the line too. <laughs> sure. That will yeah. always help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go create a crowd and you know, uh, that's how you keep track. Um, so a couple of contests we're running this year. Uh, this w- week we changed up our betting strategy because it wasn't really doing much for us uh, at NFL pick watch. So NFL pick watch, you make your predictions against the spread uh, and then you put stakes, you wager stakes just as kind of we do in um on the app uh but because of the sort of the crowd you have to predict stakes on every game and it's only based on the total number of you that you win i just went max on all of them because so far the crowd has been at 500 or better so i figured worst case scenario we ended zero uh and instead of like trying to pick and choose and just barely coming out ahead so but of course our crowd went four and 11 against the spread so we were actually down 25 stakes this week unfortunately so uh but if we stick with that strategy i think it'll work out for us in the long run so that's what i'm interesting to see yeah yeah meanwhile at the mybookie.ag super contest we actually had a nice week uh the crowd predicted the seahawks the vikings the jags the pats and the giants to cover uh as i mentioned the giants uh was a late shift so when i put the prediction in the Giants were predicted by the crowd to cover the spread, and as it turns out, that's how it worked out. Just in spite of the late move. Any in any case, so the crowd went three and two. That brings the record to ten and ten overall. We are seven behind the leader. Uh, so uh, I'm still optimistic that we can come back, but uh, seven already at this point is a it's pretty daunting. But we'll you know we're optimistic. Yeah. What All else? Right. We what, what what? There's no point in being pessimistic, right? Let's come on, crowd. We can do of course. It. So, yeah. So um, maybe we'll have like uh, one of our week six performances exactly from last season when we and, got and well, we'll, like twelve of them right or something. Right. Like exactly. That, yeah. We'll go five and zero. Oh, no problem. We're right five back and zero. Oh. That's it. We'll we'll be right back in the thick of it. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on and start talking about some of the big themes for this week. All right. This is uh, kind of a newer segment of the podcast that we've been uh, where we've been trying to identify kind of the story of the week, so to speak. Uh, the story for this week is that there really weren't too many common themes in week four. Like we've been saying, it was sort of tough to predict this week and the crowd was a good illustration of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, Chris was sort of combing through the data a little bit leading up to the show here uh, and identified that there was a sort of a statistical lack of crowd consensus overall. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, basically, when I was picking the MyBookie, or I was looking for the MyBookie.ag picks, there were not that many strong predictions from the crowd. Right. Yeah, we've been talking about how we have our proprietary formula to uh, make those MyBookie.ag picks, uh, and it's based on crowd consensus or crowd confidence, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sort of lacking in crowd consensus. It was a little bit all over the map uh, this week. There was more variability in the yep, predictions. Exactly. So um, that was interesting. Uh, as we mentioned, also last year, week four was one of the worst of the season against the spread, uh, where the crowd went five, five and 10 in week four in 2018. So maybe that's a trend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think that the interesting thing, Paul, is that if there's one, uh, I guess if there's one characteristic that stood out to me was that you had the Rams losing, you had the Packers losing, uh, the Cowboys lost. Um, and I, so you had two, or excuse me, you had three, three and O teams that took their first loss of the season and they were just kind of these bad games. And so it's interesting that the crowd reflected uh, the better teams in the league in their predictions, mm-hmm. right? So, it's, yeah. you know, the crowd was doing very well through three weeks and then come week four, they took one on the chin uh, as these other teams did. So that's just an interesting parallel to me. Well, and so it'll be very interesting to see how, if that parallel continues to the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, since we couldn't really identify too many big trends for week four, let's move on and step up to the hot take counter. <laughs> it's delicious, delicious yeah. hot so takes. Our topic for the hot take counter this week is who are the real teams? And as we look back over the first uh, quarter of the season, um, we we kind of broke this down into uh, the teams who have who are meeting high expectations, the teams who are playing sort of as we expected, mm-hmm. maybe who's playing better than expected, uh, the teams where the jury is still out, yep. uh, sort of undecided, and they're kind of showing some inconsistency or we're just not really sure how to peg these teams. And then, of course, the teams who are meeting low expectations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's get it started, Chris, talking about who is meeting high expectations. Sure. So we talked about this a little bit last week, but the Chiefs and Pats continue to play at a high level. Uh, I think they both had tough week four matchups, and they both made it out alive, unscathed. So those are obviously at the top of the heap right now. The Cowboys and the Rams both had setbacks this week. Uh, the, The Saints had a setback last week, but overall, all three of those teams are playing at a relatively high level. They're both in first place in their divisions. So, or excuse me, they're all, all three of them are in first place in their divisions. So, um, and that I think it was with the expectation. They're all on track for 12 and four records, which is pretty much any reasonable expectation of these teams uh, at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, um, of course, all five of these teams uh, were widely considered as Super Bowl contenders. Right. At right. The least, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in, you know, it's important to note that their expectations to, at the start of the season were high and they are meeting or they're in the ballpark of those expectations for sure. For sure. Uh, then you have other teams where their expectations were not quite as high and they are meeting those expectations. So that's kind of the difference between this next tier of, of teams that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, just a quick note, though, you highlighted the Saints, I think, quite rightly to mention that they kind of stand out a little bit as 
not like the others in this situation. Yeah, because given the circumstances, missing Drew Brees, their starting quarterback, um, they're still they've still been able to win their last two games in a row, including a huge game against the Cowboys. Yep, uh, just there on Sunday night. So um, they're sitting there at three and one, having lost the the lone game to the Rams on the road in a tough matchup in the game when Drew Brees exited early with injury. Uh, so, you know, the saints are a, a, a pretty complete team and, uh, their huge investment in backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater seems to have been paying off so far. I mean, he's not, he's not, uh, setting the world on fire by any means at the quarterback position, but he's effectively managing, uh, managing the victories and the game and, uh, letting the talent on the rest of their roster right. do the job. Yep. Yeah, whereas the other teams, things are mostly going right for them, and they are meeting expectations based on things going right. Yeah. So, yeah, you, I you, agree. you could put maybe a tiny asterisk on the Cowboys just because uh, we talked about this last week. They haven't really played any right. really good team, right? Or any team that was expected to be good at the time that they played them. Um, I forget who all of their uh, opponents are. Was it Washington, the Giants, and the Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely three teams that on paper you would have expected them to go 3-0 and against right, to start right. the season. Yeah. And right. the, only, the only thing on their side in that argument is the fact that they beat them pretty handily. So They, they yep. did. Yep. yep. And they just lost to the Saints, the other team in this category, right. that, as you mentioned – that was a 12 to 10 game. So a su- super close game that could have gone either way. Right. Yep. All right. So the next tier is who is playing as expected. And we've got another uh, five teams here. Uh, we've got the Seahawks, Packers, Eagles, Bills, and Texans. So we fully realize there could be arguments on either side of these things. Uh, this we we kind of just went with our gut here. Yep. But let's talk about the Bills for a minute because that's kind of an interesting pick. This is one that we maybe don't strongly disagree on, but don't necessarily see eye to eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you consider the Bills' opponents, they played the Jets in Week One. I would consider that to be a tougher game than the other two. Then they play the Giants when Eli Manning was still quarterback. And the Giants' defense was playing really poorly. And then you had the Bengals, who are they struggled to beat, and then they got smoked on Monday night this week. So I would not say that the opponents that they've beaten have been particularly strong. So a 3-0 record might f- seem a little bit inflated, I guess is how I would describe it. Right. So the fact that they were 3-0, and then we talked about this last week, the fact that they played the Patriots tough. They had a chance, a couple of chances really to win that game outright and didn't says that, okay, they are a team that can play the Patriots tough. So I would say, and they had relatively, you know, high expectations, probably a wild card. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to win the East, but except for maybe a few uh, crazy people here and there, but uh, regardless, they, a lot of people expect them to make the wild card, and they are on track to doing doing that. So, anyway, uh, just as a team that, but that was that was, and that was kind of the difference was like, are yeah, they went, they started out three and zero, but who did they really beat? I guess is the question. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, my personal opinion was, and believe me, I don't follow the bills closely, so I have nothing to go on but my sort of gut feeling based on prior history, you know, that being mostly last season when they were terrible. Um, and so I kind of expected them to be terrible again. And so in my opinion, they're actually, their record shows and the way they played against the Patriots shows that they're actually exceeding expectation, Mm -hmm. but maybe that's just in my own mind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But if you think about it this way, also they've, they've kind of taken care of business against some of the lesser teams. um, And maybe regardless of whether or not they caught those teams at a good time, like the giants maybe sort of are on the cusp of turning things around. I know it's only been a couple weeks since they've, I uh, had two wins in a row, but, um, you know, they, they play in a division that ha- where they play four games against the Jets and the Dolphins. So, you know, if they, I would be surprised if they don't at least go three and one in those games, yeah. uh, the rest of the way. So that's another three wins that gets them to six wins. And then, you know, you have to imagine they're going to pull out at least two or three wins the rest of the way against other teams. Um, so they've got a good shot at going eight and eight, nine and seven, which in my opinion is actually exceeding their expectation. Mm. But, uh, I, I, I guess maybe they, the common thought was that they would be a, at least a 500 team, if not slightly better competing for a wild card spot. So, um, let's move on to the next category. Who's playing better than expected. This is kind of a fun one to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So, there are four teams. Oh, excuse me. I mean, wow, we have quite a few teams in this in this act now that you mention. Uh, so we have the Lions, the Jags, the Colts, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Raiders, and the 49ers. So Paul and I might disagree on the Raiders a little bit, but uh, let's start at the top. So a, a lot of, at least in my experience, I don't know, Paul, about you, but uh, I did not hear a lot of people talking up the Lions at the beginning of the season. In fact, not at all. I think that most people predicted them to finish last in the NFC North yep. and the that, fact that they the NFC North was totally supposed to just be a three horse race. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the fact that they were undefeated or, you know, with the tie against the Cardinals, I guess, uh, or the close loss to the chiefs really is surprising because this team, you know, I had them penciled in against the Raiders. They played the Raiders later this year. I thought, okay, well, you know, the Raiders should be able to win that game. Now I'm not sure at all if that's going to be the case. So, um, yeah, this team is really – I was surprised at how well they put up 30 points against the Chiefs. They obviously beat the Chargers on what you could say was some lucky plays here and there, and they beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. So they've got that was some two quality good wins, wins yeah, yeah. On the, under their belt. So that's pretty a pretty remarkable uh, couple of wins against some Super Bowl hopefuls for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're only two seasons removed from being having the worst rushing offense in the entire NFL. They, yeah. they basically had no running game two two years ago, for, and that lasted for a couple of seasons. They've they've been poor at the running back position uh, for quite some time now, but they do have a, a difference maker at that position with Carryon Johnson. They still have Matthew Stafford, who is a franchise quarterback at worst, and you know maybe. Uh, at least in the top half of the league, as far as quarterbacks are uh, are considered, so um, they do have some talent on that roster. And, and actually, it's been their defense 
I know they just gave up 30 points, 30 plus points to the Chiefs, but so does everybody, everybody else. Does, yeah. <laughs> uh, their defense is, has made some nice plays. Uh, they won that close game uh, against the Chargers that you mentioned. What, what that was like a thirteen to twelve. Yeah, thirteen ten. Thirteen ten game. So, um, yeah, they've they've uh, caused some turnovers. They've had decent defensive line play. Their secondary has been pretty good, and they just seem to be playing physical and uh, like they have finally a mentality on, on their team that they can make the plays that they need to make. Um, so they're not world beaters by, by any stretch, but they're off to a nice start and better, I think, than most people expected for sure. Yep. So the next set of teams, uh, they're more of the, I think, coaching performance than anything else. So you have the Jags, you have the Colts, you have the Panthers. All three of these teams had – quarter uh, injuries or you know issues at the quarterback position and all three teams have finished the first four games at 500 they're all two and two uh but with backup quarterbacks or replacement quarterbacks and that shows quite a lot about i think the coaching staff so it's really quite impressive if you'd said at the beginning of the season that all three of these teams would have backup quarterbacks playing you know significant time you would not expect them to be playing, you know, to be at 500 after four games, and here they are. So, yeah, quite a quite an impressive uh, set of. So it's the Jags with Gardner Minshew, the Colts with um, J- J- Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, right, and then the Panthers with uh, Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, or sorry, Kyle Allen. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, you're right. That's for for all three of those teams to be sitting at two and two with some nice wins in their pocket as well. That's yep. uh, a pretty strong start for the, those teams. Yep. Um, let's talk about another team that we have in this uh, playing better than expected category. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I know uh, we're subject to a little bit of recency bias on the Bucks because they just had that huge win over the Rams on Sunday, but uh, they're sitting at two and two. And I don't think this is a team that anyone thought would win more than four or five games this season so no i think that's right i think that's right so yeah and that was just a stunning victory over uh the super bowl runner-up from last year well and they beat the panthers in carolina on a thursday night when the home team has a pretty decided advantage so yeah yep they've got a couple of good wins under their belt as well of course they have you know some ugly losses too uh but nevertheless there are two and two and uh that's pretty much where you want to be after four games if you know you want to have a chance at contending. So, yep. And one of those losses came at the hands of the next team we wanted to focus on here, which is the 49ers. I know the Raiders are on the list too. <laughs> I'll give you a, a chance to ah. talk about the Raiders, but the 49ers are one of the three remaining undefeated teams in the league. Uh, they're three, and oh, though. So they, they had a buy this week. So, um, you know, they probably should be three and one. You're supposed to laugh at that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Not paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> too much whiskey. You gotta. I didn't see. I didn't see the pause for laughter line here. Sorry, Paul. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I should have hit the applause <laughs> sign. My bad. All right. Well, it is true. The 49ers are three. You know, they've got a couple of a uh, couple of nice wins. You know, they they haven't played anyone super crazy so far this year. That's been expected to or that had super high expectations. They played the Steelers, the Buccaneers, and. The Bengals. The Bengals, right. Uh, but you got to give them credit. Like we talked about last week, they, they they have taken care of business, including absolutely destroying the Bengals. Um, 
in week two, I think it was. So, um, yeah, they, they, I think they've been playing better than expected, mostly on the defensive side of the right. ball. They've already matched last season's total causing seven turnovers. Um, Wow, they only had seven turnovers all of last year. That's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but after uh, three games, they, they've got seven, so uh, they're trending up in that direction. Defense is looking good overall. Their offense has uh, been a little bit inconsistent, but they've they've put up a lot of points in, in at least one of those games, and uh, they, they do have some playmakers on offense, particularly on the running game side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have much else to say. I, I think it's just um... – the they've been a team that struggled for a long time so to for them to be three and oh after the first four weeks is is certainly surprising for sure uh, better than what i think most people expected so just a quick note about the raiders i had said at the beginning of the season you can go back to the uh the podcast that came out right before the season started that if they were two and three after five games i thought that their initial stretch was pretty rough now that was before andrew luck retired uh but you know, playing in Minnesota, playing Kansas City, playing the Broncos, playing the Colts, and now the, they'll be in London to play the Bears. I thought two and three would be optimistic. This is, I think, the hardest part of their schedule. If they can somehow pull off a win against the Bears, I'm not. I'm. I would give them maybe a 10, 15 percent chance. You know, a lot of things have to go right against that defense for that to happen. But if they were three and two after five games, that would be remarkable uh, for that for this team. Now, I remember uh, it's funny how the weird things you remember as a fan, but they were six and two in 1998 when Donald Hollis was the quarterback. If you can remember, I was at I was at the Raiders Seahawks game when the Seahawks were still in the AFC West. And uh, when they got up to six and two after that game, but, and then they finished the, the season eight and eight for the third straight year. <laughs> so I'm not getting too excited, but the point is that this is a team where a lot of things have to go right for them to win. And Hey, it's exciting when they are, when things go right for them, because it doesn't happen too often. So um, anyway, so, the, so they are a lot. I think I had heard people talking about them being owned four, one and three at best. So for them to be two and two after four games is, and I think that the two wins that they had were pretty solid wins, you know, like 31 against the Colts and that uh, opening night uh, victory over the Broncos was pretty solid. So I didn't expect them to win in Minnesota and I certainly didn't expect them to beat the Chiefs. So anyway, that's my little bit about the Raiders. I'm yeah. happy. I'm hey, they're two and two. And so I'm, I'm at I, peace. I guess I, I, I can't say I disagree with yeah. any of those points. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Rock well solid score. Okay. Let's keep all moving. Right. Well, the jury is still out on several teams. I think we can all agree on this. Uh, the giants, the Vikings, the Browns, Steelers, Titans, and Ravens. A lot of these teams are either two and two and one and three, but we do have one team in this category that is kind of interesting. I think that we put it, uh, put in the jury's out category. And that is the Chicago bears who sit at three and one, uh, they have beaten – who have they beaten? They just – The Broncos. Beat, the Broncos. They just beat the Vikings. Right. And they beat the Redskins. Redskins. And then they lost the close one in uh, the opening game of the season Correct. at home to Green Bay. Yep. So they've got a good record, 3-1. and one. They have probably the best defense in the NFL. If not – Yeah, it's – Easily I mean, they're top three. Yeah, for sure. Top three. For sure. Um, they have a, 
young quarterback who just got injured in the, the latest game, but has been playing inconsistently. Right. Um, their offense has been really not very good this year. They've not scored a lot of points. The game they lost was what was the final 10 to three, 13. Oh, 10 to three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, in order for a team in the NFL to really rise to the, be the cream of the crop, you know, you, you have to be good in all three phases yep. and you have to stay healthy and you have to have luck. So the bears are really, really excellent at one phase of the game. I'm not sure how they are on special teams, but, um, they're starting to have a little bit of bad luck and, and some injury, yeah. uh, some bad luck on the injury front, I should say. So, um, yeah, the jury is definitely still out on the bears. They, they could easily go three and one again in the next quarter of the season or one and three. I, I really honestly don't know. Yeah. So with Trubisky out with a shoulder injury, maybe for a week, possibly two, there's quite a good chance that Chase Daniel comes in and manages the game and becomes basically the Trent Dilfer of the 2001 Ravens. That de right. that defense the is good enough where manager, right like. <laughs> where that defense is good enough where he yeah. that that they could just carry the the team and if they put together a decent running attack and he doesn't make any mistakes then they might be able to to you know keep that this uh, season going with just defense alone so you never know um, and yeah as we said the jury is out on this team for sure so. Um, the other teams on the list are just simply they've either been up and down or uh, just we haven't seen anything where we'd want to say they're performing better or worse. Right. They're kind of exactly where we expected them to be, but because of the up and down, we don't know if they're going up or down at this current moment. Yeah, so. very inconsistent. Yeah, And then um, so the final list, we don't want to pile on too much, but who is meeting the low expectations? So they're only a few for any team that hasn't been mentioned already. Uh, the Redskins, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Cardinals, and the Broncos. Uh, I'll start down here. The Broncos uh, are the, maybe the best 0-4 team in the league. They lost on two last-second field goals so far, so that's some bad luck. And on, uh, Amazingly, on in both of those losses, on the final drive, they had a roughing the passer penalty, mm, <laughs> which yeah. is just amazing. Just I, I think that the one that happened this past weekend against the Jaguars was – warranted the one that was against the bears was not but nevertheless that is just some crazy bad luck that is yeah definitely definitely bad luck um surprising thing about the broncos though is their uh sort of the hallmark of the team over the last several years has been their defensive line and their linebackers and they just have not been able to generate any pressure this was the first they got the first sack of the season against the jaguars yeah. this week so. wow with von miller <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, so and then the other the other team again not to pile on like you were saying Chris, the Dolphins. Um it's just anytime a team is so bad, it's kind of interesting yeah. to look at some of the the stats and I'm sure we could pull out a lot of interesting stats as the season progresses about the Dolphins, but so far as underdogs, which they have been in all four weeks, they have gotten 61 points against the spread. So in four games, they've been an underdog by a total of 61 points. That's pretty remarkable. They have scored 
a total of 26 points in four games, and they have a point differential of minus 137. So they've scored 26 and given up 163 points. That is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, I I feel for the guys that are on that team. That's just, I you know, what can you say about it? They're, they're, yeah. they're people. They're professionals. They're trying their hardest, I'm sure. But, man, that is uh, That's bad. That some tough sledding there. I, I guess the only sort of positive over the last couple of weeks that you could point to for the Dolphins is that in week three, they were uh, only down 10-6 at halftime to the Cowboys. They went on to lose that game yep. 31-6. to <laughs> And they were also, I think, down – were they down 13-10 at halftime in this last game? I think so. Yeah. yeah, they they were it was it was close for a little while. Yeah. 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 So, the good news the good news for them though is that they play the Redskins in week 6. They have a bye this week, and they have they play the Redskins. So that is a that is a team that they should beat. They really? there they have a chance of beating anyway. A real so. clash of the Titans. Yeah. All right, well let's right. move on uh past our let's let's exit the hot take counter yep. where we're we're full of I'm, hot yeah. takes and stakes <laughs> and let's uh give a a brief recap of all the games from week 4 all right uh so we broke these games into instead of going in sort of chronological order we broke these into three different categories as well we have our as expected games which we'll start with then we have our interesting but not shocking games and then we have the what the heck just happened games so uh we'll start with the as expected games uh so uh, we'll start off with the Redskins in New York. The Giants were three-point home favorites. The total was 48.5. The Giants ended up winning 24-3, to which meant that the Giants won, covered the spread, and the game stayed under 48.5. Our crowd, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the crowd predicted the Redskins with a late line move to go to cover the spread, but the Giants win, so they had the Giants winning 24 22-ish, which meant that the Giants would win, but the Redskins would cover in a very narrow thread-the-needle pick, but the game would stay under 48.5, so the crowd got the Giants win and the under correct, but they missed on the Redskins cover. Uh, so as I said, that would have been a trifecta, but some late predictions in favor of the Redskins uh, moved it uh, in Washington's way. Uh, just in terms of this game, uh, Case Keenum was replaced by Dwayne Haskins, the Redskins rookie quarterback, and he did not have a good day. So the not Giants, a good debut. <laughs> the, the Giants malign defense uh, had a couple of interceptions, one for a pick six. So they must be feeling pretty good, but I do not trust that Giants defense at all. So no. bear that in mind in coming weeks. Uh, yes. I didn't actually see much about Daniel Jones, so I'm not sure how he played. But uh, he played okay. I think he also had it, uh, gave up an interception, but. Uh, he played well enough yeah. uh, for them to win. <laughs> all so, right. all right. The next game was my Seattle Seahawks playing in Arizona against the Cardinals. The Seahawks were five and a half point road favorites, and the over under was set at 48. The Seahawks won the game 27 10, which meant the Seahawks win, cover the spread, and the total goes under 48. The crowd had predicted, as we said earlier, uh, an exact score of 27 to 20 in favor of the Seahawks. So this is our first trifecta game for the crowd of the week. Uh, the crowd accurately called the Seahawks to win the game, cover the spread, and for the total to go just under the 48. Uh, that means, um, 
yeah, as I said, it's trifecta. It's super interesting that <laughs> the crowd it's predicted a whole, a whole number score of 27 yeah, to 20. Yeah, it's tough to kind of get past that. <laughs> yeah, just uh, real quick, not, not a whole lot to say about this game. Uh, from, But from a Seahawks fan perspective, this was definitely the most complete and convincing uh, win for the Seahawks of the season so far. They've played in typical Seahawks fashion a lot of close games uh, and kept – sort of played down maybe to the level of their opponent so far and then had that awful game against the Saints, the home loss last week. So a great bounce-back win for them and and uh, sort of a wire-to-wire uh, victory for the Seahawks. It was nice to see uh, the running back, Chris Carson, also had a bounce-back game, mm-hmm. uh, didn't fumble the ball, <laughs> had over 100 yards rushing, and uh, looked back to his old self plowing over guys hurtling over guys uh so that was fun to see uh also luke wilson is back in the fold and got right back to it had a couple of receptions um that was not a highlight of the game by any means but an interesting tidbit and uh just as a seahawk fan it was a very satisfying win so yep i mean they got out to an early lead and uh unlike the lions in week one the they just never let the cardinals back in the game that's right all right, we'll move on to the next game, another game that was uh, pretty much played according to script. The Chargers were in Miami. The Dolphins were 14.5-point home underdogs. The total was 44.5. The Chargers won 30-10, to 10, which meant that they won and covered the spread, and the game stayed under 44.5. Our crowd had the Chargers winning 28-point, uh, believe, believe it or not, 28.56 to 14.06, which meant that they had the Chargers winning and pushing on the cover of 14 and a half. So we don't give, get credit for that. Unfortunately, even the game would stay under, they predicted the game to stay under 42, excuse me, 44 and a half. So the crowd got the chargers win and the under correct, but because they predicted an exact push, which again is quite remarkable, uh, <laughs> they, uh, missed out on the cover. So that was unfortunate. Um, yeah. not much really to say about this. I think the dolphins are trying hard, but the chargers are just a good team. And they played like it. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Next game uh, was that that falls into this initial category, sort of as expected, was uh, the Bengals Steelers Monday Night game, uh, in which the Steelers were three point home favorites. So they're sort of getting the the typical fifty uh, fifty home spread there. Right. Three points. Uh, the total was 45. Uh, the Steelers dominated this game from start to finish and won 27 to three. The crowd had predicted uh, that the score to be a roughly 24 to 20 in, in favor of the Steelers. So the crowd thought the Steelers would win and cover the spread and that the total would go under the 45. So that means this is our second trifecta of the week. So nice job by the crowd here accurately uh, picking the Steelers to win, cover that three-point spread just by a little bit, and for the total to go under. Yeah, and just a quick note about this for anybody that's paying attention to the Steelers. The Steelers had a lot of turnovers in against the 49ers last week, uh, and they gave up the lead ultimately at the end of the game, but this week their defense really made a bad team in the Bengals look bad. So keep an eye out on that defense. We'll see where they if they can be consistent week to week, uh, but that might be something to watch. So, all right, so we'll move into the next set of games. These are the interesting but not shocking games. So these are games where we, okay, they make you think a little bit, 
but the outcomes were ultimately not all that surprising. So we'll start with the Thursday night game. The Eagles were in Green Bay. The Packers were four-point home favorites. The total is 46. The Eagles won outright 34-27, to which meant that they won and covered the spread. Uh, the game went over 46. Our crowd had the Packers winning 26-20.5, to uh, which meant that the, the crowd predicted the Packers to win and cover the spread and the game to go just over the 46 and a half, or excuse me, over 46. So they got the over correct, but they missed out on the Packers winning and covering. This game was quite surprising, just in the sense that the Packers had a couple of first and goal, or, you know, inside the 10-yard line of the they, Eagles twice. They Yeah, they and, and on one of those, they ran... Got zero points. Yep, and they... They uh, passed the ball four straight times. Yeah. Um, on, on the first time they were down near the goal line, uh, and had four straight incompletions. So they turned the ball over on downs. Uh, I think they were at like the four yard line or something like that. Yep. Uh, a couple of incomplete passes targeted at Jimmy Graham. I I don't know if he just couldn't pull it down or if they were bad throws or good defense or whatever. Uh, but man, to to not at least try to run the ball one time uh, in that scenario was, Even was pretty bad. Just have Aaron Rodgers, you know, run a bootleg potentially. Or right. Something, like that. something mix it up a little bit. That was, uh, that was strange. And then of course um, all hope was dashed when they had the ball literally at the one, one or, or two, two yard yeah. line um, and ran a, a literal carbon copy of the final play of Super Bowl 49 and, that I'm very familiar with. This is two <laughs> weeks in a row now that I've brought this up. Again, Chris, you can't bring it up, so I will. Uh, they run a slant, a slant pass that gets tipped and intercepted. Yep, uh, not effectively, and and ended the game. So, why so, they didn't try to run the ball one of those times, I is beyond me. But the the Packers let the Eagles hang around and just could not execute properly when it counted. Yeah, I mean the. The Eagles are a scrappy team. They've they've been that's been their identity for a while. The fact that they won the game isn't shocking, but as we said, it's interesting because now the question is, do the Packers respond? How do they respond? Do they change, you know, some of their play calling, whatever? And of course, do the Eagles continue to keep up this uh, intensity, or is it are they going to have an, a letdown, which feels a little bit inevitable right. at some point? You just can't keep that intensity for. Another interesting angle to watch for is the sort of the snowball effect in the relationship between uh, Aaron Rodgers yeah, and, and and the coach. Uh, what's the coach's Matt name? LaFleur. Yeah. He's also the offensive coordinator, right? I think they have somebody, but he calls the plays, yeah. Okay. So we all are familiar with Aaron Rodgers' discontent right. for the prior regime and the way that they called plays and how conservative they were on offense and stuff. Um I'm not saying that this is same thing is going to happen, but Aaron Rodgers appears to be more than just mildly temperamental when it comes right. to the way his offense performs and the plays that are called. So uh, it'd be in interesting at least to just kind of put that on in the back of your mind yep. going forward to see, see what happens there. Uh, well, the next game featured uh, Minshew Mania in <laughs> Denver as the Broncos hosted the Jacksonville Jaguars. Broncos were two and a half point home favorites in the game, and the over under was set at a low thirty seven and a half. 
The Jaguars won the game on a last minute field goal, uh, 26 to 24, which meant the Jags win, cover the spread as underdogs and go, uh, the total goes over the 37 and a half. Our crowd thought this would be a, uh, exceedingly close game, basically predicting the Jags to win by mere decimal points, uh, roughly we'll call it 20 to 19, sure, but less than that, uh, taking into consideration the decimal points. So the Jags, win the game according to the crowd and cover the spread the total goes just over the 37 and a half so this is our third trifecta game of the week Woohoo! uh the crowd narrowly gets this this close win which is um always nice you know this this game was predicted to be kind of a coin toss and was kind of a coin toss at the at the end when it was all said and done a very close game but a, a pretty accurate prediction overall by the yeah. crowd so yep nicely done by the crowd here um this was a game in which as you mentioned Chris the the Broncos finally did get a, their first sack of the season it's just I can't believe that it's so remarkable yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, but sadly, uh, Bradley Chubb uh, tore his ACL in the game. Right. So he will be out for the rest of the season. So he got a sack, and that was the last one he's going to get. Yeah. Yep. So it's and, too bad. Uh, Leonard Fournette uh, finally had the Jaguars' first 100 plus yard rushing day uh, for the Jags in over a season. They didn't have mm-hmm. one of those games all of last season. Uh, he rushed for a monster 225 yards, including a 80 plus yard touchdown run where he just did Leonard Fournette things and ran straight over people and around people. So uh, for the Jags, that, that was good to see. And uh, Minshew, you know, he's not again, playing lights out. He's still making some mistakes. I think he had an interception in this game, Uh, but he's doing a better than effective job at managing the game and taking advantage of plays downfield for sure. uh, When, when they're there, including a nice, I think it was 25 or 30 yard uh, completion to set up the game-winning field goal right at the end. Yep. Yeah. All right, so we'll move on to the next game. The Panthers were in Houston. The Texans were four-and-a-half-point home favorites. The total was 47-and-a-half. The Panthers won outright 16-10, to 10, which meant that they won and covered the six-point spread, uh, and the game stayed under 47-and-a-half. So our crowd had the Texans winning in a narrow victory, 24-22 to 22, roughly, which meant that the Texans win, but the Panthers would cover the – six point spread or excuse me the four and a half point spread uh and the game would stay under 47 and a half so the crowd got the panthers cover and the under correct but missed out on the texans winning outright in a thread the needle i don't think the crowd's doing particularly well in thread the needle picks so far <laughs> this season but nevertheless i like that they keep trying they you know keep going at it but um kyle allen continues to play well as um he didn't have some fumbles so i think that that defensive line for houston came to play uh, the bigger problem is that um, Deshaun Watson, the quarterback for Houston, is just getting pummeled back there. Yep. So they've got to figure something out or he is going to die. Yeah. So hopefully they figure out a way to protect him because that just doesn't seem right. Um, but the Panthers are playing well. And uh, the only other thing to keep an eye on is that Christian McCaffrey had 37 touches in this game, wow. which is an insane amount for anybody. If they keep that up, can his body survive the season so i hope so i love the way he plays i hope they figure out some alternatives to that yeah <laughs> to him touching yeah. the ball 37 times so 
True. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. He's a he's oh. a fun player to watch for and sure. It, and of course, just a reminder: this was Paul's barrel wager. So congrats to Paul oh. for getting that right. Excellent. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. The next game was the uh, Patriots playing in Buffalo against the Bills, who were seven point home underdogs. The total was forty one and a half. And of course, as we said earlier, the Patriots won this game in a low scoring affair, sixteen to ten, which meant. The Patriots win, but the Buffalo Bills cover the spread, and the total goes under the 41.5. Our crowd thought the Patriots would win handily, uh, roughly 27 to 18. So the crowd thought the Patriots would win and cover the spread, and the total would go over the 41.5. So unfortunately, the crowd only gets one out of three predictions correct here, uh, calling the Pats to win, which is not a hard prediction to make. (laughs) Right. Uh, but yeah, as, as we discussed earlier, this game was much closer, I think, than most yep. people thought. And, uh, the, the bills actually did have a couple of opportunities to win this game. So, um, got to give the Patriots credit. They, they pulled out another win when they had to. So, yep. Not much else to say about this one. No, I mean, I think that, uh, sorry, the only thing to say is that the bills are a team to watch. They look like they're, you know, they came to. They needed to have a good game. They had a good game. It just wasn't quite enough. So, um, all right, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, the Chiefs were in Detroit. The Lions were seven-point home underdogs. The total was 54.5. The Chiefs won a close game with some controversy, 34-30, uh, to 30, which meant that the Chiefs won, but the Lions covered the spread. The game went well over the 54.5. Our crowd had a high-scoring affair, but not quite high enough. They had the Chiefs winning 30 to 21, roughly, which meant that the Chiefs would win and cover the spread, and the game would stay under that high total of 54 and a half. So the crowd got the Chiefs win correct, but missed on the cover uh, and the game staying under the 54 and a half. So uh, the this was a game where I feel like the Lions were really throwing everything they could at the Chiefs, and the Chiefs, in spite of the fact that Patrick Mahomes threw no touchdown passes. Still pulled out the win. So that says a lot about their character. Uh, They stayed calm under pressure. Patrick Mahomes had a great Russell Wilson impression where it was fourth and eight. His receivers were well covered, and he runs for 10 yards and keeps the drive alive, To uh, which ultimately ended up being the game-winning touchdown drive. So the Chiefs are certainly a team to be reckoned with. It'll be interesting to see when they eventually play. I forget when they play the Patriots, but that'll – that's – that's the game that's going to matter. And then everything else is kind of, you just have to not let games slip away that you should win. For sure. That, that could be a really fun Super Bowl. Not that it could possibly ever be a Super Bowl, but yeah, if they just said, Hey, you know what? We're just going to say the Super Bowl is going to be Chiefs Patriots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that would Again, be a fun game yeah. to watch. All right. Well, we'll stick in the uh, AFC West. Uh, the Raiders were in Indianapolis the Colts were six and a half point home favorites. The total was 45 and a half. The Raiders pulled off the upset victory 31 to 24, which meant that they won. And of course, uh, by winning, they covered the spread and the game went over 45 and a half. Our crowd had the Colts winning quite easily 28 to 19, which meant that the Colts would win and cover the spread and the game would go over that 45 and a half. So the crowd got the over correct. Uh, they obviously missed on the Colts winning and covering the spread. Uh, just a couple of quick notes about this. The Raiders got out to an early lead. They uh, had a nice opening drive for a touchdown. And then 
on their next drive, they had a 60 yard run to make it 14 to zero. And at that point, the Colts kind of abandoned the run and the Raiders defense did a nice job against the run. They made the Colts really work for their points. And by continuing to add on points uh, throughout, through the game, uh, they just basically, the Colts ran out of time ultimately. And then, you know, they finally sealed it when uh, Eric Harris intercepted Jacoby Brissett for a pick six with a couple of minutes left to go. So overall, you know, it was uh, the other thing is Josh Jacobs looks like he's a real, the real deal. He had a couple of really nice runs, including at the end of the game to get a first down and um, essentially seal the, the win. So, you know, it was, a, it was a nice win. On the other hand, the Colts were missing three key players. So this was a game the Raiders should have won when you have a depleted uh, opponent. So that they won that game, still beating a team that you should win, or excuse me, that you should beat, that is something. That's <laughs> I'll leave yeah. it there. Well, congrats to you as a Raiders fan, Chris. Yeah. Felt, was, it felt, it felt a good. good. Win. Yeah. yeah. I, I was definitely surprised when I was seeing the early scorers. I was too. And that they jumped out to a sizable lead. Um, uh, but it was a nice win for them. Yep. What? So what were the three players that were out for the Colts? T.Y. Hilton was out, Malik Hooker was out, and Darius Leonard – Okay. Um, were all three of those guys they, out to start the game? Yeah, yeah. Or? They were all in the yeah, just yeah, out for okay. the game. So I don't, I don't know how how long they're gonna be out for, but yeah. So it'd be interesting to see from our from the crowd perspective. It'd be interesting, it, or maybe it's just sort of an interesting observation that the crowd was not really on to those yeah. three absences. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. Is that something that I, you know? Is there something if you added injuries to the a presentation in the app and potentially weather would that affect, you know, is that, are you artificially affecting somebody's prediction? So I want to be very careful about that, but yeah. Well, so hopefully people will pay attention to what injuries there are, pay attention to, you know, you know, if, if there are significant players out. So, but I think overall what we've seen in last year is that we saw that the crowds were figured it out as they went along. So sometimes these injuries make a difference. Sometimes they don't. You never know. Yeah, true. Well, let's, uh, in the interest of time, let's get moving on to the next game, which was the Titans playing in Atlanta against the Falcons, who are three and a half point home favorites. Total was 46. The Titans won in somewhat of a surprising fashion, 24 to 10, which meant they win and cover as underdogs. And the total goes under the 46. The crowd had predicted the Falcons to win this game roughly 24 to 8, or sorry, 19. Uh, so the crowd thought the Falcons would win and cover the spread and for the total to go under 46. So the crowd does hit on the under, but misses on the Falcons to win and cover. Um, this, if, if there was one big takeaway for me in this game, it was just the... Uh, continuous inconsistency by the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yep. You know, as, as you said, they had that nice win against the Eagles earlier uh, this season, a couple weeks ago. Um, but clearly the, the injuries that the Eagles had at that time were a factor in that game. And I just don't have any confidence personally in the Falcons. They're just way too up and down, way too inconsistent on offense and on defense. Yep. Well, the, but the thing that's weird is that I had no confidence in the Titans either. Exactly. After that yeah. that game, yeah. so. I agree. So I, you know, I, I don't know what to, this was like interesting in the sense that both teams sort of 
flip-flopped on us. They did. Uh, so interesting, but you know, I could, I, I would never have picked either team to win. I just yeah. like, I don't know. One of these teams is going to win probably. <laughs> and it seemed like the Titans actually played a pretty good game. Yeah. Oh, know? for sure. I, I think mean, it was one of, uh, Mariota's best games. Yeah. So, yeah, he made some nice throws. Um, nice back shoulder throw in the end zone uh, yep. for one of the touchdowns. I don't know. It, <laughs> these two teams are going to be tough to predict. Yeah. Agree. The rest of the year. All right. Well, let's finish out this section. The Vikings were in Chicago. The bears were uh, one point home favorites. The total was at low 38 Chicago won pretty easily 16 to six, which meant that the bears won and covered the spread and the game stayed well under that 38. So our crowd had a very close game. They had the Vikings pulling off a victory 19 to 18, roughly, which meant that the Vikings won, uh, covered the spread, and the game uh, would stay under 38. So the crowd got the undercorrect, but missed out on the Vikings win and covering. As we mentioned, Mitch Trubisky got injured in this game. I'm going to say right now, if there's a if there's something I would buy after seeing this game, it is Kirk Cousins out uh, away uh, away from Minnesota or in a tough place to play. Uh, I just don't trust that guy at all. You, I don't, I don't, you know what? It's not they, even him. I don't trust the Vikings. You offense. would buy him not performing. Correct. Well under correct. Scenarios. I mean, but I actually, I don't, that's, I don't think that's fair. I think it's, it's the Vikings offense for some reason away from Minnesota. They just can't seem to put it together. So, uh, you know, he is the quarterback. He gets paid the big bucks. So, he deserves or you know he's he's got to be able to handle the criticism but so far away from minnesota they have not played well at all uh and i don't quite understand why they have all the tools all the weapons and they're just not getting it done so now the bears defense is great they're absolutely great so six points the packers scored 10 so it's not like it's a big difference between one and the other right the only difference was that the Vikings defense gave up 16 instead of nine or, you know, whatever. So uh, the point being that it, maybe you don't take too much away from it, but he's had two games away from Minnesota and he's had two bad games. So if he turns around the next time he's away from Minnesota, then I'll be, I'll change my mind on it. But that's yeah. where I'm, that's where my head is right now. Yeah. Ugly loss by the Vikings to be sure. Yep. Well, let's move into our final category of games, sticking with the theme uh, we've got three games that fit into the what the hell just happened category, starting with the Cleveland Browns uh, facing off against the Ravens in Baltimore. Ravens were favored by seven points. The total was 45, and Cleveland blew their doors off 40 to 25. So that means the Browns win, cover the spread as underdogs, and the total goes way over the 45. The crowd had predicted the Ravens to win pretty handily in this game, um, almost by a 10-point spread, 27-18, to 18, uh, which means crowd thought the Ravens would win and cover the spread, and the total would go over 45. So, of course, that means the crowd only gets the over correct and misses on the Ravens to win and cover. Uh, we've been saying all season long so far that we have no faith in the Browns and that we think they are – uh, a bandwagon team, um, a hype, a hype train team, if you will. And, um, they've had two pretty nice wins in a row. So no, they, they lost the Rams last week. Uh, my but, bad. Yeah, that's all right. All right. They've had two decent wins <laughs> this season. So they're two and two. The Ravens are also two and two. 
Ravens were looking good early on uh, in the season, and now, of course, it's they, still early on, yeah. but um, they've looked inconsistent at best over the last couple of games. So, um, again, maybe just hard teams to predict, but, um, yeah, I I certainly didn't see this one coming. I, I, I guess I wouldn't have been shocked if it was a close game and maybe for the Browns to pull out a surprising win, but... This was just a beatdown. Yeah, really was. Uh, I mean, it looked like the ran, the Browns ran the ball really well, uh, and Baker Mayfield played well. So uh, it is very surprising that the Ravens gave up forty points at home. That they're they've been a traditionally very good home team. So yeah. Um, speaking of traditionally good home teams and giving up a lot of points, uh, the Bucks were in L.A. The Rams were nine point home favorites. The total is 49. The Bucks blew the doors off the Rams uh, 55 to 40, which meant that the Bucks won, covered the spread, and the game went over the 49. The crowd had the Rams winning handily 29 to 19, which meant that the Rams would win, cover the spread, and the game would stay under 49. Uh, so this was our first of two bagels for the week. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Rams basically, I think they had a, so they gave up a touchdown and then I think they had a turnover and that turned into more points. And then before you knew it, it was 21 to zero and the Rams were just coming back and the Rams did climb back into the game. They did. Yeah. But the Bucks just kept pouring it on. Uh, and it was, you know, they ultimately, they stopped their offensive scoring at 48. So the Bucks tacked on a defensive touchdown at the very end of the game, but you know, the Rams were started behind and never were able to take the lead. So they came close, but it was just not enough. So yeah. um, I just think this was a bad defensive performance by the Rams. I don't think that I see a trend. I haven't seen a trend just yet. They've had pretty decent defense, I think, to date. So we'll see what happens in the Seahawks game on Thursday. Yeah, you also have to consider that the um – the Rams had four turnovers in this game, mm. and uh, so that that gave the Bucks good field position. Right. right. Uh, in some cases, great field position. I yep. think one of those turnovers, they got the ball at like the nine yard line or mm. something of the Rams and yep. scored a touchdown on the very next play. So, um, without going back and looking at the the uh, drive chart, I, I want to say they started at least three of their drives after those turnovers um, around midfield or um, slightly worse or slightly better than that. Um, so, you know, yes, the, the Rams D gave up a lot of points and a lot of yards, but um, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those points at least were aided by those turnovers. Yep. All right. Well, our final game to cover of the week was uh, the Sunday night game, which uh, faced faced off against the Cowboys and the Saints. Uh, the Saints were our two-and-a-half-point home underdogs, and uh, the total was 47-and-a-half. So the uh, Saints won in a close, low-scoring game, 12-to-10, which meant the Saints cover, and the total goes well under the 47-and-a-half. Our crowd thought that the Cowboys would edge out the saints in a higher scoring game roughly 27 to 22 uh, which meant the crowd picked the cowboys to cover the spread and the total to go over the 47 and a half uh so this was not surprisingly another bagel for the week <laughs> our second bagel of the week 
Uh, crowd did not get any of those predictions right. And um, I don't think anyone thought this game would be a 12 to 10 affair. <laughs> yeah, they would. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why it's not that so much that the saints won that was surprising. It was the fact that it was so low scoring. Right. And especially, just the way the game went. Yeah. Especially yeah. given how many points the Cowboys were putting up. They, I, you know, we, the, Paul said earlier, the Cowboys have beaten relatively weak opponents, but they beat him handily. So there was every reason to believe that they would put up some good points. And I thought, hey, if they put up 25, you know, 24, 31 points, then the Saints, they'll win going away. But the Saints defense really came to play and kept them, kept them from doing anything. So, um, yeah, it was a very surprising result, uh, in, uh, at least in terms of total points scored. So Agreed. Really something. All right, well, let's uh, move on to our weekly winners. Um, so a quick shout out. We neglected, Paul and I were so busy patting ourselves on the back that we actually overlooked uh, a competitor last week. G.L. McMillan also had a perfect score last week. He predicted the 49ers to beat the Steelers 24-20 to exactly. Uh, but because the 24-20 total was a push, I was looking for 10-pointers, and he actually got eight because he couldn't win any points on the push. So he actually had a perfect score prediction. So congratulations to you, GL McMillan, uh, on a perfect score. Week three was just magical for everybody. That, so that's awesome. Yeah, we had that same thing happen a, a few times last year. Also, yeah. what, what we thought would be 10-pointers, we actually uncovered a loophole in our scoring right. system, meaning if, there was one, if one of those uh, values was a push, you could only get eight or right. nine points. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We thought that you could only you could only get seven and then it jumps to ten, but you can actually get eight. You right. cannot get nine. That's you true. You cannot get nine. Yes. Yeah. So uh anyway, yeah. So um I I got it. I think I had a perfect score and I only got six points because I think the spread and the uh total both pushed in one game. So that felt great. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, let's move on. Um so uh the weekly winner this week was Yours truly. I had 56 points. Nice uh, job. So thank you. I, my record was uh, straight up it was nine and six against the spread eight and seven and over under was 10 and five. So uh, it just shows that every, any, uh, a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. Um, we did have um, new user Cabeza Blanca 66 had 54 points. So congratulations to Cabeza Blanca. That's a nice score for uh, what was otherwise a pretty upside down week. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to their <laughs> steak stacks of the week. Uh, this is uh, where we talk about uh, who is best at wagering steaks. Mm -hmm. uh, and as it turns out, for a second week in a row, I am top of the heap. Yeah, we should really have flipped these. You talk about me and I talk. <laughs> no, let, let's just talk about ourselves okay, from now sounds on. sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so best return on investment, I wagered 31 and returned a, a nice 15 for a 48% ROI. That is impressive. Uh, and I also had the biggest stack of the week, which I, I man, I just love that. I could say that a million times. I know. The biggest I'm stack. Gonna to, I'm going to have to like go big this time, even though clearly <laughs> it's not going to work out, but you never know. It's a good start to the week when you can talk about how big your stack is. Yes, exactly. I had 15 stakes gained, so that was the biggest stack of the week. Uh, just edging your wife, yep. Gemma, who had 12. Yep. So good job to Gemma as well. Yep. All right, well, let's talk about our overall uh, leaders. We, this is the first time we're talking about them. So uh, sorry to uh, the folks that have been competing every week, and we've neglected to mention you. So um, 
The at the top of the list is Steakhouse Sports Tester Extraordinaire and devoted supporter Michael Raymond. He has been leading the overall prediction score rankings all season long. He's currently sitting at 226 points with a record of 40 and 23 straight up, 32 and 31 against the spread, and 35 and 28 against the total. I think there's probably a push in there, so I might have rounded off uh, for brevity but nevertheless um michael is doing tremendously he's edging out uh our other devoted supporter uh robert sturgle uh who is at 220 points so in fact quick note robert uh, emailed me he's like how is it possible that i am at the top it's like hey dude that guy follows a ton of football and you know robert (laughs) you you know what you're doing believe it or not there are experts out there and you are smoking them so you know sometimes too much knowledge can be a bad thing so it seems like you have just the right amount of knowledge so congrats uh meanwhile paul and i are duking it out for third uh paul is ahead of me by one point 214 to 213 so enjoy it while it lasts paul neck and neck yeah all right well michael raymond also leads all stake stacks on straight roi he's wagered 47 stakes and returned nine for a total effective roa of 19 percent uh, he is leading me, who has I've wagered a whopping 155 and returned 17 for a tidy 11% ROI overall. That was only because I started week one not having any idea what I was doing and <laughs> wagering tons of stakes on a bunch of different games. So I learned how to optimize yep. for the ones that I You're felt the most confident improving in. Improving your betting strategy, yeah. as they say. And that's led to a, a two consecutive weeks of large steak stacks yeah. <laughs> don't get too comfortable <laughs> uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say i'm comfortable i just like to say it all right fair enough yeah all right well that edges out Gemma again who uh your wife chris who has wagered an astounding 250 stakes so she likes to go big or go home yep she's returned 19 for an eight percent return the 19 total stakes returned is also the biggest stake stack among all qualifiers. Shout out to Brian Cole, who has wagered 205 stakes for the second most. And Chris, you've wagered 65 and returned four for a 6% return. Oh, yeah. I'm going out and buying myself a mocha tomorrow for something. Yes. Yeah, do it. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to wrap this thing up. So head on over to Steakhouse Sports. You can spell that either way, like the meat or the bet to download the app and start predicting. Remember, winning a week gets you a prestigious shout-out on this here program. Odds update daily, so make sure to check your predictions before game time. And feel free to compete directly against Chris and I by joining the SHS crowd on the app. You can also follow us on Twitter using handle at House of Stakes and on Facebook at facebook.com slash steakhousesports. You do have to spell that like this, uh, like the bet. Yep. Not the steak. Right. The meat. Sorry. <laughs> you can always contact us also at podcast at steakhousesports.com. And by the way, if you're playing along with us at home, please give the app a rating in the app store. If you want to see improvements, leave a review and we'll take care of it. Or if you want to tell us how good a job we're doing, do that too, please. <laughs> and while you're in the reviewing mood, please give us a rating or review on iTunes as it helps people discover the show. All right. Well, for most teams. Uh, oh, thanks, Paul, by the way. anytime (laughs) nicely done all right for most teams one quarter of the season is in the books and who the heck knows what we'll be saying by the midway point a few weeks from now we hope you stay along for what is sure to be a wild ride 
Keep predicting. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies or random people you see on the street. Uh, but anyway, the Raiders will be in London in week five. So get your ears ready for some rule Britannia when we see you on the other side of the weekend. So until then, I'm Chris. And I'm Paul. We hope you enjoy your steaks. <laughs> <laughs>